Welcome to One of Those Times in a Life, sharing songs and stories around the virtual campfire. At this campfire, I believe. I believe life is a journey that in time will take us home. There are lessons for the learning as we travel down this road. I believe we all are searching, trying to find some missing piece. We may find it in each other, I believe. That's the first verse of I Believe, a song I wrote and recorded in 2009 with Mike McCoy. It's the last song on the Between Old Friends album, It's a song 40 years in the making, going back to a day in June in 1969, when my parents, two brothers, and I met at Seaside, Oregon for a Brothers Four concert, and when the world as I knew it disappeared forever. I remember the sun being out, how warm it felt, which is a bit unusual for that time of year, and we're staying in a clapboard condo near the beach, We finish a hearty breakfast my mother happily and skillfully makes. The dishes are stacked in the sink when we leave the table and find our way to the living room. We talk about my older brother's August wedding and how he feels being at the same medical school where our dad got his training 30 years earlier. We discuss my younger brother's first year of college and how well he's doing at school and on the baseball team. And we talk about my first months of traveling and singing with the Brothers Four and about the night's concert. And Mom says how happy she is to be together and how hard it is to sometimes have no kids left at home to take care of. Familiar family banter that stops as soon as my dad leans forward in his chair. It's true, he said. I was in a mental institution after the war and before you were born continues nodding towards me. And just that, like that, I blink. And while nothing appears different, somehow, when my eyes opened, everything had changed. This irrepressible force of nature, center of the universe, this stable, brilliant, kind, funny, strong, wise, gentle man was telling, was telling us he spent time in a loony bin. He might as well have told us he was a space alien, He speaks in reassuring voices. Once I realized I was sick, he says, I began to get better. For a while, it was too painful to talk about. And then there was no need. This sentence has kind of run off. And as I reconstruct that moment now, I struggle with what and how my 22-year-old self must have been feeling. Confusion, shock, anger, bewilderment, fear, terror, some combination of those things. What I remember most is feeling nothing. I believe love is enough to find, to face and free our fears. See the light that shines within us through the laughter and our tears. 
I believe life's full of small steps and some very scary leaps. We are born to celebrate life, I believe. I realize now how many years I spent trying to make sense of that moment and all the ways I tried to keep or put the world together or back again. As a family, that moment became part of a secret we rarely talked about. I believe my father had two great fears. One was that he might end up back in a mental institution, and the other that his children might be susceptible to such a fate. And so I've kind of concluded that those fears, along with the social stigma and a hundred-year family history of silence, informed and affected the way he looked at illnesses of the mind. And for me, I'm finally comfortable saying that depression, it's part of my nature. And that we're all dealt certain cards in life and that one of mine is depression. And while at times it can feel like getting the queen of spades in a hearts game, the harder part for me was feeling a need to not tell that story, a need to deny that part of me. And for years I struggled with what was true, what was real, and what I could trust. And I lacked kind of a basic faith in myself and in a weird but maybe not unusual way, I made myself responsible for that moment in 1969. And I ended up seeing myself as damaged goods somehow and somehow flawed and created a riddle inside myself I struggled for years to answer. A riddle that went, how could someone love me unless they know me well? And if someone knows me well, how could they love me? An unanswerable riddle that too often left me feeling apart from and different than, well, now it seems like a common human riddle that many of us spend a lifetime trying to solve in our searching and in our journeys. I believe it's also a part of the human predicament to face crises of faith. It's just part of the deal. Maybe not always as dramatic as that day in June of 1969 was for me, but they're often life-changing nonetheless. Along with the way we all are tested and tempered searching for what's true, and while sometimes I wish that life were easier and simpler and more clear-cut, you know, it simply isn't. I believe in joy and wonder. I believe in hope and trust. I believe that something special lives in every one of us. I believe faith's often tested and it's how we face our doubts that will explain, give meaning, define our lives somehow. My father died in the spring of 1997, a few months after my 50th birthday. At the memorial, his minister and friend Don Gilmore read from my father's writings, writings that included thoughts about his depression and his hospitalization. It was the first public acknowledgement of that part of my father's full and now completed life. In the months that followed, I realized that having that information publicly aired and finally shared freed me to explore and so explain my relationship with depression and more importantly with that, with that which remained unspoken and so could never be named. 
And the liberation and the exploration would be my father's final gift to me. It would take me 10 years to realize the extent of the gift, a gift that included acknowledging and accepting depression as part of my nature, a gift that meant being able to finally find and face and free my greatest fears, fears that for too long left me feeling I was not enough and that there was something so wrong with me that I could not, at a most intimate level, love or be loved. And once those fears were faced, the riddle could be solved. No longer afraid of what I might find or who I might be, I was able to discover over time that I was both enough and lovable. Knowing myself better than anyone else could and finally able to love myself for all that I am, the world became a different place, a world that I saw in a new, in a different light. I believe faith is exploring what is darkest for ourselves and that hope is somehow sharing what we find with someone else I believe that you have been a true and trusted friend to me we are better for the journey I believe using the language of myth made familiar by Joseph Campbell to face my fears and to solve the riddle meant for me entering the forest at the darkest place. My hope is that a lifetime of writing and singing songs and telling stories will help me find ways to share what I found and continue to find while being open and more understanding of other people's stories and other people's journeys. But first I return in memory an imagination to two moments in 1969, one moment just before my father spoke, and the second, the second the moment that followed, when I remember feeling nothing. I look again at those people I know and love, a love made tougher and more tender through the years, and my emotions now are many, some sadness, wonder, hope, longing, gratitude, satisfaction. There are things I want to say to my 22-year-old self, but I know he's in no place to hear them. I want him to know he'll be okay, that it's not going to be easy, and that I'll be waiting for him. I believe faith is exploring what is darkest for ourselves and that hope is somehow sharing what we find with someone else. I believe that you have been a true and trusted friend to me. We are better for the journey, I believe. Thanks for sharing one of those times in a life. At the next campfire, that first trip to Japan, hope to see you then. <laughs> <laughs>